Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy! Broadcasting to the four corners of the conservative universe, it's the Matlock Show. He loves all things conservative politics, and if there's a microphone nearby, you can bet he'll be the one beating the left over the head with it. And now, a true original, the common sense conservative, here's your host, Matlock. Oh yeah, Tuesday. We are making our way through the week. Matt Locke, your host here, making radio great again. So long, you're so glad you're along for the ride. It's early today. I've got a big day today. I'm, I'm doing the podcast a little bit earlier than normal, but uh, I have a big day today. I, I've got stuff to do. I talked about it in the podcast yesterday. I'm heading over to the Blaze to be on the Chad Prather Show. I don't know when the episode is going to air but when it does, I will let you know. I'm going to hang out with my buddy Chad today. I, I so appreciate him. He is fantastic. Head over to watchchad.com. Watchchad.com. You can find his touring schedule. You can find where he's at on social media. You can find his podcast. Uh, go over to YouTube and check him out. The guy is fantastic. He's asked me to be on the show today. So I'm running over to Dallas today. So I'm doing the podcast Early. I normally so so far I'll give you a little inside baseball here today on on what goes on. I've joined America's Voice News. Uh, we premiered yesterday, and uh, they're working on some things. It looked really good. You wouldn't know that I'm sitting in a small little tiny office in the middle of my house, but I am. And uh, I think some of you have seen the pictures. I've got it all soundproof, but now I've got green screens and I've got lights and I've got computers and I've got all this stuff because they produce it for me from Denver, Colorado. And I'll tell you, they're fantastic people. If you get the chance, you need to do me a huge favor. Head over to Facebook, like America's Voice News, Twitter at A Voice News, or you can go to Instagram, America's Voice News. They're also on YouTube at America's Voice. So check them out. A Voice News on Twitter, America's Voice News everywhere else. Uh, Lock and Load is the name of my new show over there. It's only an hour. It goes way too fast. Um, It is a replay today. Like I said, I'm in Dallas today for the day over with Chad Prather doing his show, so I just don't have the time to get back in there and do it today, but back at it tomorrow. Um, I have to give you a programming note, too. I told you there wasn't going to be any uh, podcast on Friday. I lied. There, (laughs) There will be a podcast on Friday. My non-technical 
idiocy. Um, I didn't realize that I can schedule podcast on Spreaker, and I can't. So I will do a podcast for Friday. I'm gone all day Friday. I'm at a charity event that I said I would do about three months ago with Scott Husing here in Frisco, and uh, that's an hour and 45 minutes from me, and i got to be there all day on Friday. So I'm going to pre-record the podcast for Friday. It will, it will launch the same time every day now that I know how to uh, schedule these things. But uh, so a little behind baseball here, a little behind the scenes. Um, I do my podcast normally right right before I do the television show. You know, I knock them out because I work in the afternoon. I still have my job as a recruiter. So, you know, I get up, I do my research. I, I've done my my uh, show prep the night before. I get up and do my show prep in the morning. I normally record this podcast at around, oh, 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. My time. Well, right now it's 7.15. It's, it's early this morning. I've got lots to do today. I want to get this done. I want to get it recorded and uh, in front of you guys because I got stuff to do. So that's the nice thing about the podcast. I can get in here. I can get out. I've got an hour's worth of content and away we go. By the way, this segment, this part of the show brought to you by CombatFlipFlops.com. It is hot down here in DFW. Hot. I'm going to be on Chad's show today. I'm going to be wearing my combat flip-flops. I wear golf shorts and flip-flops 95% of the time. My wife looked at me last night. She's like, what are you wearing? I said, what I always wear. She's like, you're not wearing flip-flops to Chad's show. I'm like, yeah, I am. That's what I wear all the time. And I'm wearing my combat flip-flops because you know what? I'm proud to wear them. And they're amazing. And they're amazingly made. And you can get yours. You can go over to combatflipflops.com. And if you use the code LOCK25, LOCK25, you will get 25% off of anything you order from the website. So do it, L-O-C-K-E-2-5. They've got amazing flip-flops. I've got the Coyote Flopperators, and I've got the Zero Rise. And I think I'm going to buy the AK-47s just because I wear flip-flops 95% of the time. It's hot down here. It's warm. I want to wear less clothing. I, I, I'm a very hot man, figuratively and, well, actually. There you go. Head over to Combat Flip Flops. It's early. My brain doesn't work. I'm, I'm a night person. My brain does not work early in the morning. It just doesn't. It never has. I don't know why. It takes about eight cups of coffee to get me awake. You know that? I haven't had a cup of coffee yet because I don't have time. I want to get this done, get this pushed out because I got things to do. But anyway, head over to CombatFlipFlops.com. Use L-O-C-K-E-2-5, and you will save 25% off of anything on their website today, combatflipflops.com. Um, I'm going to talk about something here that's pretty rough for me. I saw this yesterday floating around uh, social media, and I said, yep, that is what I'm going to talk about tomorrow because it's an important subject, and I want to give you my story. And on podcast, I can do it a little bit easier than I can on a national radio show. And I can talk about it a little bit. And a lot of this stuff's going to be hard for me to talk about, but I'm going to do it because it's time. It's time. And hopefully, someone can learn from my story because it is a story of heartache. And a lot of you don't know the behind the scenes. I've hinted at some of the things in my personal life and my children, but I've never talked about it in a way I'm going to talk about it today. And I saw this article that says missing fathers and America's broken boys. The vast majority of mass shooters come from broken homes. 
Now I have to tell you. That is, I, I don't doubt that for a second. So this Suzanne Venker, who wrote this article, goes in depth on these fatherless boys. Now, she says, in my most recent article about the Parkland school shooting and its connection to fatherlessness prompted a tsunami of emails. She says in one of those emails, a man named Fritz asked what I considered to be the root of fatherlessness. I decided to write a follow-up article to answer that question. The subject of the desperate cry of America's boys is a difficult one. To point out that boys need their fathers is to shine a spotlight on divorce and single mothers. And that is admittedly uncomfortable. But there's no way to address fatherlessness comfortably. The fact is, divorce and family breakdown, which to answer my emailer's question is the root of fatherlessness, is catastrophic for children. There's more than one reason why, but an obvious one is that in the majority of cases, divorce separates children from their fathers. Now, let me tell you about my story. I'm not going to give you all of the gory details because there's many. And, uh, you know, it, it, it broke my heart because I can tell you, and, and my wife knows this, and a few of my close friends know this, I thought I was going to be married forever. I thought I was going to be married forever. You know, we had two children. I had, I had a young daughter, Alex, Alexandra, and my son Chandler. And I ended up getting divorced when my son was six weeks old. Now, I'm not going to give you the circumstances behind why I got divorced. They were, it was messy. Um, but I remember going into court. And I remember asking for custody of my children because of the circumstances of what happened with the divorce. And the judge looked at me and, and literally like I had three heads and I won't tell you what happened in that courtroom that day. It was ridiculous, catastrophic, but the court ruled that my ex-wife, the children should be with my ex-wife. Now my son was six weeks old, so it did make sense that an infant that small would stay with his mother until he was of sufficient age to not be. And in Indiana, I didn't get to start seeing my son. I got supervised visits, which was just nuts, and I'll tell you that story in a minute. But, you know, he's six weeks old. You know, I, my, wife, my ex-wife was breastfeeding him. I didn't have the ability to do that. They don't allow you in Indiana to keep your infant child under one year of age overnight away from the mother. Now, my daughter at the time was about two and a half because there's almost three years difference between our children. And, you know, the, the court decided in, in, in our case that children need their mom. And most courts do. See, that's the problem. Today, you know, we, we hear all of this. We, we hear all of this blah, 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 blah of, you know, equality. The left will tell you that men and women are similar to men, blah, blah, blah. It's not that way in family court. The woman, probably 95% of the time, gets custody of the children. And I'll tell you, my ex-wife made my life a living hell. 
because she was very vengeful. I mean, it was just one of those things. And she brainwashed my children all throughout their lives. So early on, I was accused. And this now this is where we're getting into the personal stuff here. I've never told anybody this before. So I love my children would do anything for my children, would die for my children. They are, you know, outside of my wife, they are the two most important people in my life. And I would do anything for them. We, you know, I used to take them to the park. We would go on vacation. We would go to uh, amusement parks. We would go to the movies. We would go and do, uh, you know, see a baseball game, do fun things. I, you know, my kids were treated very well as they grew up. But when my daughter was younger, let's say about three and a half, I had been divorced from, or or was getting divorced. My divorce took almost two and a half years because my ex-wife fought me on everything. But my ex-wife, and I probably ought not say this, but I'm going to, accused me of sexually assaulting our young daughter. Yeah. So that led to a cascade of events. So I had the police show up at my door and she filed a police report against me. I had to go down to the station, get booked, get fingerprinted, give my statement. And I spent half a day down there until my parents came and bailed me out of jail. Because I, I, I was arrested on the accusations. Ridiculous. They never happened, by the way. And, and, I'll, and I'll, as I walk through this story, you'll, you'll find out. So I went through all of the rigmarole of being booked, of being fingerprinted, of taking my statement, and then being put into jail. So as time went on, I had to go to a counselor. I was under scrutiny. I couldn't see my children unless it was visitized, unless it was a supervised visitation because my daughter was about three and a half at the time and my son was about, I don't know, nine, 10 months. I, I still was not, I still had not gotten to the point where I could have him overnight. So my daughter supposedly told my ex wife that I was touching her in the wrong places at three and a half. So I go through all of this. I go through the investigation. I go through the counseling. I go through the supervised visitation and we come to court. And of course, you know, I've spent buku dollars. We're, we're, we're still going through a divorce that is now into month, probably seven or eight. I'm hemorrhaging. Oh, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of three to $4,000 a month on my attorney. Now, I want you to think about that. So, you know, I've gotten a divorce. I'm going through a divorce. You know, I'm living at my house. She's living with her mother. She has got me in court, and now she's accused me of a, a sexual wrongdoing. I am bleeding money to my attorney. My life is in shambles. I don't get to see my kids, and all the whispers are running around this small little town that I lived in at the time. You know, and these are the kind of things that can damage you for life. These are the kind of things that put you on registries for the rest of your life. So we get into court. And of course, 
everybody's statements been taken. The police report gets brought up. The accusations get brought up. And my ex-wife had a very good slimy sleazeball attorney. Guy's just a piece of work. And of course, I'm I'm the worst person in the world. I'm a deviant. I'm this. I'm that. They brought up the fact that my ex-wife and I actually had rented pornography at one time, so I must be a sexual deviant. You know, they, they brought all this stuff to bear on me, trying to convince the judge that I had done this unspeakable thing to our three-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And when it all played out, and after I was drugged through, oh, weeks upon weeks, probably into months of really insane things. I mean, I could tell you stories that I'm really not going to get. I'm giving you the 30,000 foot view of this. It was messy. It was crazy. I was young. I was hot headed. I was hurt. I was getting a divorce, thought I was going to be married forever, two young kids. I had lost my job, and, and that was a complete and total sidebar, and not going to run down that road either because of the things I can and cannot say, probably on radio, but my life was a mess, and now on top of all of that, I've got my ex-wife blaming me for this, so we go through court, and in the end, it is found that my ex-wife and her mother have completely fabricated the entire situation. Now, I want you to think about that for just one second. Here is a mother of my children so pissed at me, she is going to use whatever means necessary to get me out of our children's lives. Didn't matter. Accused me of sexual wrongdoing, took me to court, and then found out that the whole thing had been fabricated and made up and that none of their facts, none of the, what they had said had actually happened. And do you know what my ex, you know what happened to my ex-wife legally? Not a damn thing. Not a thing. She wasn't brought up for filing a false police report. She wasn't brought up on charges for wrongfully accusing me of something I did not do. I spent months of supervised visitation with my children. I, I, you know, all of the public uh, innuendos, the rumors, the talking in town. And then on top of all of that, if you know anything about anything, if you're convicted of sexual assault, you get put on the sexual offender list. Yeah, I was lucky that I didn't have to do that. So uh, that's one of my many stories. Of, of this fatherless deal and, and on down the line and on down my time with, with my children, I ended up meeting my wife. Today is our anniversary. Her and I have been married for eight years. We've been together for 10 and uh, we got married back in 2011. So my son at the time was nine and my daughter was uh, just about 12. And my children love my wife. And my wife would take my daughter to get her hair done. They would go get her their nails done. They do girl things. They they go to the mall. And and she could do things with with my daughter that I couldn't do. I mean, I'm a man. 
And as we sit here and we look at, you know, what father's roles they play in their son's lives and in the roles that the mothers play in their daughter's lives, it's one of those deals. But, you know, my children love my wife and my ex-wife hated that. She hated that with a passion that burned as bright as the sun because my children got along with my wife and she took on a role of stepmother. And and I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care if my ex-wife's listening or not. She's a terrible mother. She's a terrible person. She's not nice. She's actually now getting another divorce by what I've heard. She is not a nice person. She wasn't nice to me. And she did everything she could do to brainwash our children from being in my life because I was public enemy number one. Don't know why. Like I said, I'm only giving you the 30,000-foot view. I'm not going to go into the the gory details, and there are many. I could tell you stories for longer than an hour podcast. So my ex-wife got jealous. So it it kicked in. My ex-wife was going to do anything necessary to keep my children from coming to see me, and she did. Over and over and over again, I would go pick up my children. I never missed a day with my kids. I would go see them every Wednesday and every, I, I, I would have time with them every Wednesday and every other weekend. I can tell you stories of, I would go on Wednesdays. And at the time I lived in a small town in Indiana, my ex-wife lived in Fort Wayne and I was about 30 minutes from her and I would drive my happy butt down to Fort Wayne. I would pick up my kids after I got off work at five o'clock and I would spend a couple hours with them in the, the McDonald's play place on state street in Fort Wayne. Remember it like it was yesterday. We'd go there, they'd play, we'd talk, we'd hang out, uh, we would eat, we, we, they would tell me how their their week's going, and, and we would do that every Wednesday. Never missed a Wednesday and then every other weekend. And then finally, I moved in with my wife. I, I moved from that small little town where I was 30 minutes away, and I moved to about 10 minutes away from my children in the same town. And, you know, of course, me and my wife, we'd gotten engaged, and we said, you know what? get down here. Your kids are down here. We're engaged. Let's just do this. So I moved in. Well, no sooner than I had moved five or 10 minutes away from my children. My ex-wife calls me and she says, uh, yeah, um, well, um, I'm moving to Michigan. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) I have been driving 30, 35 minutes one way, which not a long way to travel. But I've been driving 30, 35 minutes one way to see the kids. I've moved closer, and now you're you're moving to Michigan. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 I'm moving to Michigan. I'm like, no, no, you can't. Because in the state of Indiana and in our divorce decree, it specifically states she can't move more than 100 miles away from me or out of the state. So, of course, what happens? We're back in court because I'm saying, hey, judge, look. The, the, the divorce decree says so. The divorce decree says she can't move more than 100 miles away from me, which she was moving about 80 miles. So that fell in within that that little, you know, uh, fact, that little ramification. But she was moving out of the state. And so we go to court. I spend more money on my lawyer. And we say, you know, th- this is the deal. Mr. Locke has, has been driving. 30, 35 minutes, one way to see his kids. Never missed a day. He, he's, he's seen his kids every Wednesday, every other weekend, has never missed a day. And now that Mr. Locke has moved closer to his children, Miss, I'm not going to say her last name, um, 
is now moving away. And she would do this. She did this to me three times. I would move close to the kid. She'd move away. I'd move close to the kid. She'd move away. She did this to try to keep me from the kids, to make it harder for me. So we're in court. We're arguing the point. We tell the judge, this is the law. You have to follow it. The judge says, nope, we're going to change it. She can do it. So he allowed her to move my children 80 miles away. Fun times, huh? So what did I do? I sucked it up, drove every Wednesday 80 miles one way to go see my kids for dinner and to go to every athletic event I could go to and to have them every other weekend. We did that for a few years. Well, back to court we go because, you know, when my ex-wife moved to Michigan, it was supposedly for a job. It turns out it was for her third husband, now that we know. And she moved up there to be closer because her second ex-husband, who she has a daughter with and shares custody, moved to Michigan as well. So she made her life easier and my life harder. So we find out through all of this that when it came down to it, she kept her job for a grand total of about six months and then stopped working and took me to court for child support. She no longer makes any money. Support needs to be modified. So in this whole time, she's using every ploy, every means, everything necessary that she can to drive a wedge between me and my children. She told my children that, you know, I'm an awful man, that I'm a terrible father, blah, 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 blah. I mean, it got to the point where my children finally looked at her and said, mom, stop, you know. We, we, we like hanging out with dad. We see him all the time. We're, we're tired of hearing about this. And they kept, 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 kept. So I want to fast forward here because here's this article. And, and, and I want to get back to it because this woman, this Suzanne Venker, she's talking about this desperate cry of American boys. She's talking about fatherlessness. And she says, this is destructive divorce to both boys and girls, but each sex suffers differently. Girls who grow up deprived of their father are more likely to become depressed, more likely to self-harm, and more likely to be promiscuous, but they have their mothers with whom they clearly identify. Boys do not have a comparable identification and thus suffer more from their father's absence. They also tend to act out in a manner that's harmful to others, which girls typically do not. The root of fatherlessness rests in two things. Our culture's dismissal of men as valuable human beings who have something unique to offer, and its dismissal of marriage as an institution that's crucial to the health and well-being of the children. Yeah. So, fast forward. My kids are grown up now. They're in high school. I try to attend every game possible, and I find out that my daughter is sleeping with a boy. Now, I'm that parent that watched. I, I made sure to know what was going on in my children's lives. I made sure that I spied on her on social media. I made sure I knew who her friends were. I made sure I was involved and knew. And, and I had that talk with my daughter, and I remembered as if it was yesterday. She's you know in her bedroom, and I sat down with her, and I said, Alex, um, here's what I know. And, and, of course, she denied it. She lied to me, and I said, "No, no, 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 no. I, we're, this isn't this isn't an open debate or a discussion. You're, you, I'm going to talk, and you're going to listen. You know, this is you need to be careful. You you need to understand what comes with this sort of activity. You need to understand the responsibilities that come with having sex. 
you're 16 years old. You don't get this. And it, it, this lady is absolutely right. My daughter had some problems, dealt with some anorexia, dealt with boy troubles. She still to this day has trouble with boys because of her mother, because of the situation that she's put herself through. And to say she's been promiscuous could be an understatement. She's worked her way through a lot of boys now. I've had the conversation with her mother and her saying, you know what? If you're going to be sexually active, you need to be on some kind of birth control. You would really rather, I would rather not be a grandpa yet. Now, my daughter's going to be 21 in April. Her life is now starting to balance out. Um, I don't see her because over the last two years, and this is the part of the story I'm getting to, the court decided that when my daughter was 16 years old, well, 17 almost, that she didn't have to come see me anymore. That that was, huh, you know, the timing's pretty good because it was right after the time I had the conversation with her when I found out she was sexually active. She didn't like that. She didn't like me being the parent because my ex-wife was not a parent. My ex-wife was my daughter's best friend. You, you don't do well as a parent when you're your child's best friend. And my ex-wife spent years, years, and I've got all of the Facebook messages. I've got all the Twitter messages of my ex-wife belittling me, of my ex-wife running me down, of my ex-wife telling my daughter she can get her out of coming to see me, she can make her life better, she can end it so that she doesn't have to come see me anymore. I, I know you hate your father. I know you don't want to be there. I went to court. Here's one of the, the final story I'm going to tell on this because I've already spent 30 minutes. I went into court because my daughter left. So let, let, let me give you a little background here. My kids at the time were still coming to see me. And uh, my daughter was a social media junkie. Let's just put it that way. She was on Facebook. She was on Twitter. And she always had her face in her, in, in her tablet. You know, she had, and she would use my wife's iPad. When she would come to our house, she would log into Facebook and, you know, she would, she would chat with her friends and whatnot. And the whole time she'd be at our house, she'd be on social media. Finally, one day I put my foot down and said, you know, um, there's better things to do. You get two days with me. Let's go to the movies. Let's, let, let, let's go to the mall. Let, let's, let's go do some stuff. And she got mad. And that was right before she stopped coming. Um, so my daughter unknowingly left her Facebook account open on our iPad, and we began a two-year uh, journey of documenting all of the things my ex-wife said. And they were terrible. Lie slanderous, libel, I mean, just ter I, I was a terrible guy. Even though we were taking our kids on vacation to Hilton Head, to Tennessee, to Florida, we were doing baseball games and movies and had all this stuff and pictures. So finally, my ex-wife talked my daughter into not coming to my house. So when you're a single father, it goes a little something like this. I would show up at my ex-wife's house on a Friday night. Pickup was 6 o'clock. I would show up, kids would jump in the car, the way we go, she would show up Sunday at six and, and, and pick them up and, and head back to Michigan, you know, because then it was 80 miles one way. It was a drive. It wasn't a short distance. So you had to, the court decided we were going to split the difference. One had to go one way and one had to go the other. Well, I showed up one night on a Friday, said here to get the kids. Well, they're not going, but well, that's not their decision. 
you know, the court says and our divorce says, and they have to come to my house. So get them ready. You're the parent. Tell the kids to get their butt outside and jump in the car. Nope. Ex-wife comes out the door and says, you know, they just, and she's talking about my daughter. My son kept coming. He was still young enough at the time. He was still about 12 going on 13 where he, he still liked to come. You know, we played golf. We, we had a half-court basketball court. We had a pool table in the basement. I mean, we had a good time. You know, we, we, we enjoyed things, went to baseball games, that kind of stuff, football games. You know, I, I enjoyed the time I had with my children. So my daughter's not going to come. And, you know, of course, you have the normal conversations you have with your ex-wife. And, you, and I say, you know, look, um, it's not up to her. It's up to you. You're the parent. I'm the parent. You know, it is our... It is our job to parent our children. Our children don't get to make decisions, especially at 16 and a half. She's not old enough to, to know what's good or right for her. Go back in the house and tell her to get her butt ready. She's coming to my house. I mean, this is just easy, right? Wrong. Big argument. So, of course, as a single dad, the only recourse you have is you have to call the police. So I did. Call the police filed a police report saying, you know what, it, it's, it's my parenting time. I'm here to pick up my kids as I have done every weekend for the last freaking 12, 13 years. You know, I, I, I would like to have my parenting time, but yet my ex-wife is not going to send my kid. And of course, the police in this whole situation can't do a damn thing about it. They, they can't do a thing about it. They can't make the mother send the child. So I'm stuck. And of course, the police officer says to me, you're going to have to take this up in family court. Only the judge can make the children come to your house for parenting time. So of course, I have to leave. I have to leave. I call my attorney. I schedule to go in and talk to him. I spend more money. We get a court date and we go into court. And you know what the judge says? Well, She's at an age now where she can decide whether she wants to come or not. Doesn't matter what's good for the child. Doesn't matter that my children need their father in their lives. Doesn't matter that some consistency and some time together would be more beneficial than allowing your child not to do so. The judge is like, yep, you know, the mother's right. Here it is. Get out of my court. In, in family courts, so backed up in Indiana, it's ridiculous. It, it takes about four to five months even to get into court after you file for a court date. It's terrible. And I know the judge sees one case after another case after another case. But this is the problem we have in this country. And of course, you know, my children say, well, we're scared. No, you, you're not scared. You're making it up. Your mother's telling you to say those things. We produce family, you know, vacation pictures, you know, and we produced all of the messages from Facebook and Twitter and court showing that my ex-wife was brainwashing and manipulating our children. You want to know what the judge said about that? You want to know the defense that was taken on that, I was invading my daughter's privacy. I had no rights to those messages. Those messages were considered private. So they were thrown out of court. Didn't matter that mom said it. 
didn't matter that I had the proof in front of me saying, hey, look, sir, you know, my ex-wife is actively trying to talk our children into not coming to see me. She is actively bad-mouthing me. She is actively going against the divorce decree that says you are not to speak terribly or, or wrongly about the other party. Here we are, and what does the judge do? Throws it out of court. Doesn't matter. This is what I'm talking about. So my daughter stopped coming to see me when she was almost 17 years old. I talked to my daughter, just to give you an update here. I text my daughter about every two or three months. Our relationship is becoming somewhat less frosty. She's going to be 21 in April. She's had a tough run of it. Her mother is an absolute moron. I, I can say that on the air today. Raised her completely wrong. Tried to be her best friend instead of her mother, which has led my daughter to some very um, unfortunate um, decisions in her life. Now to make everything worse, and I'm going to finish this up because I didn't plan on spending 40 minutes on this, but it is kind of my story here. And I want to finish this missing father's article up about a year and a half later, my son pulled the very same thing went to the judge, went to his mother and said, I'm scared to come to my dad's. I don't want to come anymore. We went into court and once again, the judge ruled that my son was old enough to make that decision and said that my kids could decide when and if they wanted to see me. Not the court, not the law, not parents being parents, not me being their dad, not me being their protector, not me being, you know, the older, more mature person to understand life, but the young little adolescent child who has been chirped on by his mother that it would be better off if he weren't seeing me. But you know what didn't stop? Child support. I didn't get to see my kids. Still have not seen my children. I have not seen my daughter personally since she graduated high school. I was at her graduation. I got a quick hug, and that was about it. So that was almost three years ago, and that's the last time I saw my son. And I moved down to Texas. I've been down here two years, and like I said, I text back and forth with my children, but our relationship has been forever changed because of the court because of uh, the way society is, because of what goes on. Now, I want to finish up with this article because the root of fatherlessness rests in two things. Our culture's dismissal of men as valuable human beings who have something unique to offer and its dismissal of marriage as an institution that's crucial to the health and well-being of children. That's not to say divorced parents can never make it work. Now, I couldn't make it work. My ex-wife is the devil. She's not a nice lady. She hates my guts, and to tell you the truth, the feelings are mutual. Now, they talk about how parents can work together and whatnot, but the, the author says, let's face it, if most divorced parents could work that well together, they wouldn't be divorced in the first place. More often than not, children lose contact with their fathers for two reasons. One, mo mothers remain the default custodial parent in the average American divorce and thus retain most of the control, which is exactly right. And two, it is usually women who consider themselves the aggrieved party 
as evidenced by the fact that wives initiate about 70% of divorces. The unfortunate result is that some divorced mothers use any opportunity to undermine their children's relationship with their father. Exactly my case. Or, if not that, they dismiss the significance of the father's role. It's not that single mothers can't be great mothers, but they cannot be fathers. And that's the problem we have in this society today. You've got men who are growing up without men, without men to guide them, without men to sculpt them, without men to be in their lives. It's not that mothers can't be great mothers. They're just not fathers. I don't care how many genders you think you have. They're not. Children need their mother and children need their fathers to have their best shot in life. As another emailer named Tom, who had been coaching basketball to young men ages 12 to 18, wrote, although not a guarantee, the two-parent family improves the chances for a young man to become a well-adjusted grown man. In the current progressive society we live in, the messages for these boys without a father at home to filter or to make sense of it puts these kids in an impossible position. He says, I can vouch for this. As the mother of a 15-year-old son, this is the writer, she says, I can vouch for this. I'm the mother of a 15-year-old son who would not be the exceptional young man he is if it weren't for his dad. The truth is I take very little credit for who my son has become. He needed me the most when he was little, but once he became aware of his male identity, it was his father, not me. He looked to for guidance and direction. His father was and remains his model for manhood. When boys don't have this model, they suffer. And when they suffer, Society suffers. A majority of school shooters comes from fatherless homes. And a study of older male shooters, thinks Stephen Paddock, of the Las Vegas massacre, produced similar results. Indeed, the consequences of fatherlessness are simply staggering. And the saddest part is, most fathers aren't absent by choice. The deadbeat dad does exist, but not in the way that society leads you to believe. Because what do they say? Oh, he's a deadbeat dad. He's not in his children's life. He, he, he's not around. Why is he not around? Do you know the real story? In many instances, women are divorcing perfectly good husbands in their search for what they believe to be a better match, which is a natural outgrowth of a no-fault divorce. Certainly women who are married to abusive or dangerous men should file for divorce, but such husbands and fathers cannot account for the 70% female-led divorce rate. The root of fatherlessness is deep and wide, but it ultimately rests in two things. Our culture's dismissal of men as valuable human beings who have something unique to offer. And on the other hand, we tell them to man up. And on the other, we tell them manhood is the problem. You know, we're living in a day and time where we're, you know, toxic masculinity. We're living in a day and time where young men are being raised by mothers. They're being raised by women. And we're living in a time where family court normally will find for the woman, such as my case. Now, I'm going to tell you, just to finish this up, my son has struggled. He struggled with grades for quite some time. He struggled with his interpersonal relationships with other boys and girls. He struggled. My best friend, his parents got divorced when he, he was 16. I can recall many times where he struggled with authority, especially men, especially men. He was hurt. His parents were divorced. Divorce is a bad thing. 
My divorce is a really nasty situation, and you only heard about one one thousandth of what actually happened in my life. I could tell you stories of just complete outrage. I could tell you stories of a family court that have just ripped my rights away. I can tell you stories of the family court that have made me to be lower than scum, even though I never missed a day, a time, a place, an activity, a sporting event that my children were ever in. I never missed an opportunity to spend any time with them, but yet society has made it this way. And I found that article to be... It's just, she's right. That When we look at these homes, when we look at these busted homes, when we see these things with young men and young women, they need, I mean, that's the thing. In this society, they're going to figure it out eventually. Children need a male and a female role model, not just one. And the reason society and, 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 and the family is breaking down is because we have over 50% of the children in this country are living in a single family home, a single parent home. That's, that's got to change. And that's what's leading us down this very uh, bad road for these kids who have a hard enough time coping as it is. All right, guys, we're going to move on here. I got a couple other stories, but that's my story. I hope you enjoyed it. I don't know if you did. Um, It's kind of therapeutic for me to say a little bit of stuff, but uh, uh, head over to thematlockshow.com. Head over to thematlockshow.com and click on the Verve Forever link, V-E-R-V-E. It's CBD oil. It's all the rage. It is fantastic. It takes care of inflammation. It takes care of pain. It headaches. It does a variety of things, anxiety, and you can get yours if you just click on the link over at thematlockshow.com. That's L-O-C-K-E. It's how you spell my last name. I've got it there. You need to click through that link for me because that's how I get paid. And they're always running a variety of codes, so I'll try to keep my social media up to date. Right now, well, yesterday it was Verb 50, but that was only for months. Monday. Uh, I think the most reliable code is Verve, V-E-R-V-E 20, which will get you 20% off. And I believe they're running free shipping if you order anything over $100. If you got $100 worth of an order, you will get free shipping. So head over to my link to my website, thematlockshow.com, L-O-C-K-E. Check out the Verve Forever link. Use Verve 20. Get 20% off today. They've got CBD oil. They've got creams. They've got it for your dogs. What are you waiting for? Head over to thematlockshow.com. Hit that link, the Verve Forever link. Hit, uh, put in Verve two zero, and I uh, get yours today. All right, I got to give a shout out to my good friend because I said I would, and I'm a man of my word for one. But he's a genuine human being who is just amazing, and his name is Scotty Roberts. Now he did the Matlock Show logo for me. He did the conservative cartel logo for us, and has really never asked for anything. Well, I called him up yesterday because merchandise is coming. And Scotty is a digital wizard. I mean, this guy knows Photoshop inside and out. And I said, Scotty, can you do me a great big favor? Could you mock me up some shirts of this? And he did it literally in like 20 minutes. So thank you so much, Scotty Roberts. But in turn, here's what I'm going to do for him. Head over to Scotty. It's scottallenroberts.com. And it's A-L-A-N. So Scott, A-L-A-N, Roberts.com. Scottallenroberts.com. He is a logo designer. He's a book illustrator. He's a book cover designer. He does the Situation Room with Rocky Stucci. I mean, the guy is an all-around fantastic man. 
I call him my friend. Help the gentleman out. If you know somebody that's looking for a logo to be done, if you know someone that wants some illustration to be done, head over to scottallenroberts.com. That's scott, A-L-A-N, roberts.com. Do it today. I mean, the guy is fantastic. Look at the Matlock Show logo. I couldn't have asked for anything better. ScottAllenRoberts.com. Do it now. Illustrator. I mean, friend, designer, logo. The guy is a magician. If you need something done digitally, he's your man. ScottAllenRoberts.com. All right. Uh, Rashida Tlaib. Let's get back into this, shall we? Rashida Tlaib, the congresswoman from Dearborn, Michigan, which is right outside of Detroit. Um, she took to Twitter, and, and, and I giggle at some of the things the left says because she says, we have to make the tough, courageous changes that completely transform a political and economic system that is now built for corporations and profit and not people. Hey, Rashida, you ever had a job working for a poor person? Just, just a question. Have you ever taken any of your hard-earned capital, your money, your grit, your hard work, your wager your risk and, and and started a business probably not because in this country you know the left frowns upon and this is what i find amazing the left frowns upon entrepreneurship because if you're an entrepreneur guess what you're not dependent upon the government you know they always talk about and i giggle i was talking i was thinking about this the other day i'm an entrepreneur i own a couple of businesses right and everybody says you know i work for a 40 hour week yeah, that's cute. Uh, 40 hours is just where I get my week started. I mean, I can sit here and I can tell you that I spend, I'm up in the morning at 7.15, 7.15, 30. I'm out of bed and I'm running around. I'm doing show prep from about 7.30 until about 9.30. So there's two hours already I've got in. I jump in the shower, get ready for my day, run into the studio and record an hour podcast. So now we're at three to three and a half hours of the day. Well, get off of the podcast, have a quick bite of to eat because it's 10, 30, 11 o'clock. I'm not really a breakfast person, so I normally just eat lunch. So I eat lunch around, you know, 10, 30, jump back on this deal after I've done some show prep because now I'm doing the live television show from 11 to 12. Boom. So by noon, I've already got four and a half to five hours in already. So the rest of the afternoon, I'm jumping on my computer and I'm recruiting because I have a full-time job. I'm looking for people to get employed through the employers I work for. So I'm spending my afternoon from noon until five, six o'clock. I'm working on my computer, I'm recruiting, I'm doing paperwork, I'm making phone calls, I'm following up on the people that I have interviewing, I'm doing my normal job, right? So now it's 5, 5.30 at night. So now I've already worked 10 hours, already. I make dinner, because my wife normally gets home about 5.30 and I like to cook. We sit down and we have a nice dinner for 30, 40 minutes. We catch up on the day. And then I go to the back patio, grab my computer, and guess what I do? Show prep. Guess what I do? Social media for the show. Guess what I do? I continue to work 
and I do that for another couple hours. So I work anywhere from 12 to 14 hours a day. Now, if you do that over five, six days, I do it at least five, sometimes six. I mean, you're talking 60, 70, 80 hours a week, but that's what entrepreneurs do. We're not reliable. We're, we're, you know, we don't, we don't count on anybody but ourselves. We're hard workers and we want to build something which the left cannot have because if you're an entrepreneur, you do not depend on the government. So Josh Kob, K-O-B or Cobb, says, interview with that Rashida Tlaib, talking about strong women who fight poverty and injustice. She speaks about my friend's late mother, Marianne Mahaffey, and another wonderful fighter, Grace Lee Boggs. I don't know what the hell that has to all do. Tlaib wrote the tweet in reference to a June interview she gave to the next left. The Michigan lawmaker talked about how she and her fellow squad members are pretty new to the political arena as women of color and argued that they are easy targets because people easily will fear us if they just tell people be scared. See, she's trying to play on your emotions. She's trying to play on the fact that, you know, oh, people are scared of us. And, and the reason I read this to you, the reason I brought you this up is because Tlaib is calling for a political revolution and a complete transformation of the political system. So of course I took to Twitter last night and I said, say when, you know, we're the ones with the firearms. I, I have this conversation all the time and I don't know if this is the kind of things you think about, but I do. So I'll talk to my friends, I'll talk to my wife, I'll, I'll talk to the people closest to me, and, I, and I'll say to them, do you ever wonder, does it ever cross your mind what the founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, John Hancock, John Adams, Ben Franklin, do you ever wonder, James Madison, what those men were saying, what they were talking about? right before the Revolutionary War? I mean, d does your mind never go there? Because my mind always goes there. My mind always thinks, what were they saying? What was the instance where they said, you know what? Yeah, it's time. It's time that we pick up our muskets. It's time that we form the continent, Continental Army. It's time that we do so and we take on Britain because we're not going to stand for this anymore. Because when I see stuff like this, that's where my mind goes. Are we at that point? Because I talk about it all the time. I, I said this on social media the other day. Are we at the point where revolution is right around the corner? I mean, are we at that point? Are we at the point that the founding fathers were at when they finally said, you know what? Um, yeah, we're tired of what Britain is doing to us. We're tired of what the, the king is doing. We're, we're, we're tired. We're not going to live this way anymore. We're not going to live under the thumb of this oppressive government. We're not going to do this anymore. We think we can do this better, and we're going to do this, which was the Revolutionary War, the Boston Tea Party, the Stamp Act. You know, We start looking at the things that led up to the Revolutionary War, and I say the same thing all the time. Here we've got Democrats. Well, you know, it's time for a political revolution. Now, she's talking about a takeover of the entire government, not a revolution. She's talking about a dictatorship. Now, the left likes to tell you that President Trump's the dictator, but in the end, it's really them. They want to control you. 
They want to control what you eat. Can't have a cheeseburger. They want to control what you drive. They want to control how you travel via plane. They want to control what energy you have via electricity, coal, nuclear. They want to tell you what kind of car you can drive or how big the soda is that you can drink, but yet Trump's the dictator in this whole scenario. And now you've got Tlaib, who is nothing more than a punk. I mean, this lady is not nice. Well, it's time for a political revolution. Do you think the left wants a political revolution? I'm going I'm to ask even a better question, because this always comes to mind, too. Do you think we have the backbone and the fortitude as the conservative wing of this of this country to actually perpetuate a revolution? I think that's the better question that should be asked. Do we have the wherewithal? Do we have the ability? Do we have the backbone necessary to defend ourselves, to fight for what's right, to fight for our sovereignty, for our country, because that's what Donald Trump is doing currently. I mean, if you really look at President Trump, what's he doing? He's fighting for America. He's fighting for you and I. And he doesn't care what they say politically about him. He doesn't care about the backlash. He doesn't care about the fallout. He is just fighting because he believes that this country is great and it can be great again. And he wants to keep it that way. So the, the major question I have to ask you, do we have the backbone, the fortitude, the necessary demeanor to fight for what we believe in? That's why I get on this microphone every day, and that's why you listen. Look, that, that's the end of the show. I want you to do me a huge favor. Head over to ScarsAndStripesCoffee.com. ScarsAndStripesCoffee.com. S-C-A-R-S, ScarsAndStripesCoffee.com. It's a mission, and what they're doing is they're on a mission to hire veterans because they want to give them a goal. They want to put them in a family unit. They put them in these groups. It's amazing. I talked to Zach Brown who is the program director for scarsandstripescoffee.com. And you can go to my website, thematlockshow.com, and click on that link. There's a Scars and Stripes Coffee link on my website. But what they do, when you're buying that fantastic coffee, you're empowering a veteran. That you know, Chad, the owner of Scars and Stripes Coffee, has developed this e-commerce system where these veterans can run their own businesses. They can run their own businesses. They can sell this coffee. They can sell the merchandise. They can sell anything on the website and they get paid and they get put in these groups so that they can interact because the biggest thing about coming back from deployment, the biggest thing about being part of the military and leaving it is you, you've left a group, you've left a family and you, you, they need that support. They need that family. Scars and Stripes Coffee is that family. It is an amazing organization. They're going to be a year old in November which is hard to believe. I thought they were older than that. They've been out for a year. They've got four or five different types of coffee. If you get a chance, go check them out. Scarsandstripescoffee.com. S-C-A-R-S and stripescoffee.com. Their coffee's good. Their, their coffee's good. Their role, their, their mission is fantastic. If you haven't checked it out, please go do so. Do me that big favor. I mean, they're amazing, but you're vying from a veteran. They're hiring veterans. They're going to have what is going to be one of the largest veteran sales forces in, in, the, in the country. It's fantastic. So if you know a veteran, 
that is looking for a mission, if you know someone that is looking to be part of this deal, let them know Scars and Stripes Coffee is looking for good men and women like them. So get over to scarsandstripescoffee.com. They're great friends here and proud sponsors of the Matlock Show. You need to do it for me. Head over to thematlockshow.com. There's a link over there, or you can head to scarsandstripescoffee.com. Do it today. Buy from a veteran. Empower them. They will thank you. All right, guys, that's the end of today. I mean, I can't believe that. An hour has come and gone. I'm going to head to Dallas. I'm heading to Dallas currently. Going to go record with one Chad Prather. Head over to watchchad.com. Watchchad.com. Check him out on social media. I'm on social media. At Real Matt Locke on Instagram, Twitter, and Parlor. You can find me, The Cartel Matt, and The Matlock Show on Facebook. Now on America's Voice News Live from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time daily. Check that out. A Voice News on Twitter, America's Voice on Facebook, Instagram, all the places. YouTube, where you find amazing stuff. That's it for today. I'm out of here. For today, The Matlock Show is out. The holidays are on at Old Navy, where all jeans, all pants, all sweaters, and all outerwear are on sale up to 50% off now. Jeans start at just 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. All the looks you love, even this season's must-have plaid styles, are on sale. Plus, get fashion in a flash. Buy online, pick up in-store for free today in just two hours. Hurry in for up to 50% off all jeans, pants, sweaters, and outerwear at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 11.4 to 11.13 excludes in-store clearance. Introducing the Capital One Walmart Rewards Card. Earn unlimited 5% back on everything you buy at Walmart online. It's the perfect card for all your family's hints this holiday season. Like 5% back on the air fryer Grandpa told you about when he fell asleep in his chair. He didn't fry anything. Or 5% back on the laptop your sister had carolers sing to you. Two turtledoves and a laptop for Carrie. The Capital One Walmart Rewards Card. Earn unlimited rewards, including 5% back at Walmart online. What's in your wallet? Terms and exclusions apply. Capital One N.A.